Hey, okay, Saturday morning, eight o'clock. Out walking the bud, getting a little bit of late start. It's eight o'clock already, but it's only 89 degrees. So it's unusual. We got a heavy overcast here in Phoenix, so not a blue sky morning, but oh, I see there is blue skies to the north. So there you go. You can always get some blue skies in Arizona. But where I'm walking, we're overcast. 45% humidity, which makes the dew point 65. For most of the people listening, it doesn't matter. It doesn't care. Who cares? Dew point? What? <laughs> oh, Saturday morning. So how is Saturday morning different than Friday morning? Well, for me, I mean, I'm polluted. My history is like Monday through Friday is work, 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 work. So... Yeah. Today, it, the, the, it, there's some kind of underlying freedom associated with the Saturday, right? It's kind of like, well, it's Saturday, so I'm off the clock, so to speak. But that's being a salary slave. And I've, there are, I've come across entrepreneurs in different areas. And um, even in job search, in, in many ways, it's healthier to think of uh, all of us as entrepreneurs, everybody. And in the job search world, even working for a company or getting a job somewhere, it's we're a business of one is the, the new thinking, which is essentially a entrepreneurial thought. So, um, so here's a car. Can't tell what's going on there. And um, boy, I've been distracted by a car in the middle of the street that's got his windows open and listening to some British lady give him directions, I think. So he's close to his destination. Anyways, silly sidetrack. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, we're a business of one we have some talents and skills to offer so go bring them and the older generation my generation sort of speak or we still transitioning from that um, work for one company for 40 year type concept which is one way of, of thinking and it's worked for many people sort of speak in the the work world I guess but uh, it's not a daily, it's not a daily living. So entrepreneurial people are, they kind of have more of a <clears throat> loose, free kind of assertive or ownership thinking, you know, take ownership over what they do and just go, go for it, go do what they think they should do. And uh, ooh, what was that, bud? It's hopped, what did you see? saw him jump like as if it was a snake but it's not it's just it's not a snake is it bud what did you see oh there's some kind of rabbit lizard back there cool <laughs> so where was i at entrepreneurial thinking so we're all entrepreneurs we just don't realize it and uh you know, there'll be people that'll claim that no, not everybody, not everybody's an entrepreneur. But 
really we have one life. What are we doing with it? You can go work for somebody that's, they would say that that's not, that means you're not an entrepreneur, but really you're bringing something, some skill, some ability. As the career lady says, JT O'Donnell, it's like, how can you help a company make money or save them money? That's pretty much it. Of course, then you've got, um, I guess it's saving money if you work for the government. You should be all about saving money. Safety, you know, they have organizations that make things safe. So, because usually if something's unsafe, that's going to cost money to fix it. So, that you can pretty much put everything into those two categories. And uh, business owners have to do both, you know, save money and make money. It's a combo thing. But um, there's a lot of talk about saving money and, and not about growing. And that's that abundance. The pie is growing. The economy grows. There's more. It's a magic in a way. It's like, how does this stuff happen? And, and it really is kind of magical that um, the wealth that's generated. And what does that really mean? It's an easy term to say, wealth generation. But I, it's a mystery in a way that, you know, uh, people have some money and then they buy stuff and this cash is flowing, money flows around. Um, and it's not a bad way of living. And the U.S. of A. gets kind of slammed for, what do they call it? Some kind of, there's a capitalism and then there's a, a bad type of capitalism. I don't know. It's free to choose. Go free. Do your thing. And, uh, yeah, I was listening to, uh, I have this outlier concept that we're all outliers in something and we should just go figure out what we're, outlier skills are and go maximize that so to speak or use it to service you know it's a service to use your gifts so you're using your gift and service to somebody else to others and uh, I have this favorite saxophone player and I I see her as like an outlier but I listened to an interview she gave yesterday Oh, she may not have given it yesterday, but I listened to it yesterday. And uh, she talked about how she just persevered on things and that she admits that she may not be technically the best saxophone player, jazz saxophone player out there, but she pursued things and went for it and threw effort into it and really went for it. So that that's so true too, but she's still an outlier in the area. Yes, she's, let's say there's a hundred people that are outlier, great saxophone jazz players, but she went with her, her gift, her thing, you know? So I would, I support that effort, of course, and perseverance and, uh, and it's a confidence level too, right? It's like, she's confident that she's got her niche and music is very creative and very artistic. And again, what does artistic mean? Art, art. It, it, to me, it's a human element. It's the creation. It's the, we are given an opportunity to work with God. So here comes a, a truck. Buddy usually barks at trucks. So. 
kind of he let that truck go by without barking. So what else? What else? Um, I think a couple days ago I talked about this verse, Hebrews nine twenty-seven, about dying. And just to clarify that, I was, I was. Um, the sentence continues into verse 28, so it wasn't an A and B thing. So those of you who are polluted with, with uh, Bible reference speaking, where people just throw up, well, Hebrews 9.27 says this, or 9.28, it's just this coded thing for the word, and it's annoying if you step back and think about it, because if you're not in the, the code group that recognizes all the codes, <laughs> you miss the point. So let's just speak to each other in uh, language that we understand. Anyway, so I, I kind of got in, into a dispute with another guy that uh, talks about these things. And um, I mean, I just, I just feel that it's still my position is it's misuse of Scripture. But uh, because it's pointing to the one time dying of Christ and that's what the subject is of that context not that we're dying and going to hell type of thing and that's what it's used for you know it's, it's commonly used today for trying to convince someone like with the question like so if you die tonight do you know if you're going to go to heaven or hell right so there's an assumption that that question is a valid important question and to me, it's more of a manipulation question to manipulate people into um, saying, first of all, like, what is hell? What is heaven? It just, there's just an assumption that one is better than the other, which sounds like it naturally should be. There shouldn't be much of a doubt about that. But there's also the assumption that... Um, that people will be going to both places. And I don't know if they have the answer to that, and I'm not going to argue about that. I, I did argue with it. I shouldn't say I won't, but with my sister last night. <laughs> so, And uh, it's like, why, don't, why can't people just step back for five seconds and just say, let me, let me just entertain the thought. What would the difference be if we actually, you know, none of us know what's, this is my point. It's like none of us really know what's going to happen in the end. It's like being birthed, right? I go back to the womb. We were living in our mother's wombs for nine months, nine months. And then we come out and we take our first breath. So now we're in this physical self-sustained. We are now self-sustaining creatures. Bodies are living. We're able to walk our dogs and able to eat food, drink coffee, make coffee, sustain myself. Not that coffee was Coffee wasn't that important probably in the womb, but uh, maybe we did get some some coffee from our mother's umbilical cords, and maybe that started the coffee addiction if your mother drank coffee when you were in the womb. Then maybe you developed an addiction for coffee at an early age, <laughs> the pre-nine-month age. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, we're out of the body now. We're on our own. We're walking. We're, hopefully we're walking. Not, you know, we've got a mind. We can think. We're amazing, amazing creatures. And uh, 
so heaven yeah so we're i go my mom's 93 yeah 93 and i go to a 800 person assisted living place and that's that's the end of the line folks that's like the last train stop before the train ends and there's uh it's not always pretty you know i mean people are you know it's a high content of walkers people are walking around walkers and it's part of life's journey you face it some people see that when they're 30 years old they see older people and they hang out with older people and some may not do that till they're 50 or 60 so especially with people living into their 90s i mean i my mom's in pretty good shape mentally i mean physically it's just the body wears down so the point being that the we're, we're in this phase for, could be 15 years, have an unfortunate accident and die at 15. Could be 30, could be heart attack at 50, could be 93. But it, it's all, it'll be less than 120 years, right? I think the oldest woman died this week, 117. And uh, so, yeah, 100 years. And then we are religious books most people are have the christian faith or similar faith that this isn't all there is and uh so we're gonna live on for eternity so do we really think about that like how does eternity compare to what we're living through now and will it be like the change from, I, I think it's more like the change of going from the womb to breathing on our own and being self, self-sustaining, self not in the womb. So um, it'll be like so different. Perfect bodies, eternal bodies, understanding, having full understanding, not guessing at stuff just comprehending the whole thing and it's all gratitude and we don't deserve it it's all grace and mercy so there you go there's the big schnauzers across the way big schnauzers baby morning having a good morning so far it's only 89 yeah i know well you're pushing a lot there <laughs> I'm doing a pod. You're on the podcast. Oh, <laughs> Buddy's here. Hi, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good day. So there you go. Love everyone always. That's uh, ooh. That plane was low. Holy cow! What is that guy doing that low? Man, is he trying to land over here? That was nuts. That is a big, looks like a Piper Cherokee or something. What is that thing doing? And uh, probably only like, what, three, 400 feet off the ground. I mean, that's not legit. What, that, what is that all about? What, what do you want to do, bud? You want to go across? Okay, we're going across. And here comes a car. It's chilling. So where were we? This is the Walk in the Bud podcast. 
<laughs> and we uh, never know what's going to happen. So we had the big schnauzers and and a, a plane that was amazingly low to the ground. Doesn't happen very often. Um, so where was I at? So the, yeah, the eternity, the new bodies, it's all be over with. So what are we going to do? Like complain like and say, hey, um, Lord, why are these people not in hell? <laughs> I mean, think about the absurdity of that concept. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't understand why people don't think about that concept, really. I mean, so, so this is that in-group, out-group thing. There's some people in, out. And I, I'm not going to, I don't know, don't call me a heretic or whatever. I'm just saying, I don't know the answer. Does it, do we know the answer? And, uh, and uh, does, is it important for us to know? I don't think it is. I mean, we, I mean, there's so much people think like, well, I've got to know the answer to that. It's so important that I know whether everybody goes to hell or, you know, or a bunch of people go to hell or not. And uh, I just don't think it's that important. Does that make me a heretic if I say, I don't know the answer to that, and I don't know if it's that, I don't, I don't care. And uh, I think some people feel like, well, you have to believe that there's going to be people going to hell. You have to believe that. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that's so true or not. In fact, I, I think it's more loving and more of a challenge to our faith if we actually think, wait a minute, when the bio, when the scriptures say that Christ died for all, and uh, there, the, the, the twist or the more challenging thing is, if that's the case, that it truly died for all, and that there's some way that that, that act, which has got to be huge, right? We, to me, it's like, one, if you believe people are going to hell, then whatever Jesus did wasn't good enough, right? He's, you know, God's going to be able to say, like, well, you didn't believe during your lifetime, so you're going to hell. I'm sorry, but that's it. But we have the guy on the cross who's going to be, wow, that plane is still, what the heck is that guy doing? Is he, like, doing the spraying stuff on the field? I've never seen it so low before. It must be, I don't see anything spraying out, but I bet you that's what he's doing. And that's on Indian reservation land. So Indians are not Amish because they would never pay somebody to fly a plane over their crops and spray, spray them. Interesting observation by your podcast host that the American Indians, Native American Indians, are not Amish. They have no problem paying someone to spray their crops. <laughs> And can you believe that crops can grow out here in this 115 craziness out here? Yeah. Hey, bud, come on. Keep going. We can make it. He's getting worn out. The sun's not baking us. It's just humid. Um, so, heretic. Maybe this is a heretic podcast. I don't. I'm just saying I don't know, folks. But here's the challenge. If you do the game, it's like okay. Let's say everyone does. So. What is that? What are the implications? And it's it's that um, to some extent, if you don't realize, it's, there's freedom in 
knowing that you, apparently, like we say, that there's freedom if you're that to know that God loves you, He died for you, that we're sinners, that we have we're in this condition, and we're we all just are suck, and we all not that we suck, but that we just we're in this condition. In fact, it goes to me. It goes back to the Garden of Eden, and that uh, that people are kicked out. We were kicked out, man. So we are going to die. That's why we don't live forever in this body. And God's able to redeem us forever. So um, to me, the challenge would be like, so we, we act like we have these in-groups, out-groups. You have to have this faith. You have to make this statement of faith. You have to, to join our group and do our thing. And so maybe that's the unattractiveness of American churches a bit. And it's this, we're the in-group, we believe the right things, blah, blah, blah. And then sometimes people chuckle about it, like, well, we're Presbyterians and we believe Calvinism. And, oh, well, we're Methodists and we're more Arminianism and you have to make a decision and blah, blah, blah. Oh, isn't that funny? Oh, well, we all believe that Christ came and he's going to die. Oh, we're all going to go to the same place. But, oh, you know, there'll be a place in heaven for the Baptists and a place in heaven for the Methodists. And, It'll be like, folks, do you not realize how stupid that is? I mean, this whole denominational thing. That's why I do think God intervened in the 1500s. It's just part of the story. Martin Luther wasn't a fluke. He just kind of, God spoke to him somehow through his experiences and started this thing called the Reformation now. But I think we've had five, that my point is we've had 500 years of reformation. It's time to get to the transformation, the individual, just transform people. Love, let's love one another, whether we're saying the creeds of something else or not. And welcome everybody. Welcome everybody that you come into contact with. So, I don't know if that's deep theological talk or thoughts or what have you, but uh, that's on my mind. And Bud, do you want to rest a little bit? He's, we got halfway, and Bud's like really hot, so I didn't I have to let him sit for a little bit. Okay, Bud, I'll let you sit for a little bit. You're panting. I don't know. It's not that hot, Bud. It's only 89. It must be the humidity that's getting you. Huh? Well, go ahead. Lay down, bud. Yeah, you can lay down. And I still see that plane. It must be doing agricultural spraying. I can't really see the spraying behind the houses, but anyway. There you go. Um, so evangelism. That's another one. So a guy didn't like the direction I was going in my email about I think Hebrews 9.27 is misused. He didn't like that, so instead of addressing that, he's kind of, so like, when have you evangelized? What did you say the last time you evangelized someone? <laughs> what did I say? And uh, I guess maybe it's, it's, it'll probably sound like a cop-out, but I just like, our whole lives are evangelism. It's not, I gave him the example of this, this collegiate group 
called the Navigators that, um, you know, was teaching. It was one of probably the first time I saw Hebrews 9:27 pulled out on a little cardboard card, you know, and it was like, use this verse to ask the question, if you die tonight, do you know if you're going to go to heaven or hell? And it's just like the standard 99% of the Protestant um, evangelical reform reformation concept that we are to go out and evangelize and use these little code words and phrases and verses to quote-unquote uh, evangelize and share the gospel and so he's like what do you say if you don't say that what do you say when you evangelize and so I said what's more of the uh, one of my podcast listeners will get a kick out of this but uh, it's more of the ask method. <laughs> it's more ask people. I mean, if you live in the United States, you, every, I would say 99% of the people have heard of Jesus. Maybe mostly because people swear and get angry and go, oh, Jesus Christ, you know? So 99% of the people in the U.S. have heard of Jesus Christ. So that is plenty uh, plenty information to start with. You don't have to you know, go to the hey man, if you die tonight, which is a possibility, you could die tonight. You don't have to do that. You can just say, hey, what what do you what do you understand about this guy named Jesus? You know, what do you you know, you've certainly have heard of the name Jesus, so what do you understand? And um, so and just start the conversation. Ask questions. Ask method. Don't tell people. Just ask and see where it goes. Because we're all on a different journey. The, the, the journey is going to arrive at the same spot. We're on different paths. We're all going to die, right? So I get it. That is true, but that's not a great starting point. So it's reaching people in the moment where we have this gift of this moment this day whether it's cold hot comfortable exciting boring whatever it's the moment we have and um, so evangelizing is just that's what we it's not an activity as I wrote back to him I says well I ask questions I use the ask method Jesus asked lots of questions. Um, he didn't, yeah, so we'll get to that in a moment. So um, it's, I basically responded, I said, well, I, I engage in a conversation. And I, I don't, I don't like say, okay, between 6.30 and 7.30 at night, I went out and did evangelism. I went and knocked on doors and, uh, you know, got in people's faces and, and, uh, did that. I've done it before in college, but I'm not so sure that was such a, a great thing. It's kind of an impatient way of, of uh, getting in front of people. It's not a loving, walking in the spirit way of just every moment and, and living in Christ such that people are like, see you as different and like, oh, you, what, why do you have such hope in life? You know, why do you have such hope? And, and it's because um, the Holy Spirit revealed to us, to me, that um, 
this world is an imperfect world and it explains why there's a lot of crap going on in the world and I don't have to change the crap because it's not going to change the crap is the crap and I can go to God and pray and seek his wisdom of every situation and it's the Holy Spirit that reveals so the the Gospels that we traditionally call the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Gospels, we look to those for teachings. Um, but i got to re- remind people, or I'm reminding myself, I think it's all about the context. He's talking to Jewish people that were the people of God at the time, and things were changing. And he, he, he could explain it and teach it. Peter thought he got it. He was very enthusiastic, Peter was. But he, he still didn't get it. He didn't get it. Uh, when he denied Christ the last 12 hours of his physical life. He didn't get it when he saw him up on the cross. He didn't get it when he died. He didn't get it when he rose from the dead even. He didn't get it until Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came. And he he sort of got it even then. And then he went back and missed it again in Galatians 2.11 where Paul opposed him to his face because he still didn't get it. So Peter is an interesting guy but he's not the first pope and he's not perfect he's not infallible dude if you think today's argentinian pope is infallible you're wrong it's stupid because even peter the first pope wasn't infallible just read <laughs> look at galatians 2:11 why is paul opposing to opposing him to his face that's what the pope in the vatican someone should be opposing him to his face at least sometime it's not like magically the dude is like perfect, infallible. It's just stupid. It's just organized religion, man-made, to prop up their power. So I'm sorry. I'm not. The Roman Catholic Church is huge. And if there's any podcast listeners listening that love it, well, fine. You can love that thing. Certainly it's a source of, of the gospel. They're not perfect, though. Come on. And there's much more freedom. The real freedom is in Christ and the Holy Spirit and the story. So it brings me to my concept is that, you know, I thought like maybe I should rewrite some of the Gospels as if Jesus behaved like a Southern Baptist Christian, you know, like belief system. In other words, take the Southern Baptist interpretation of what happened and work it backwards. So like the woman at the well that story would be retold in the um, tradition of like hey woman get me some water oh hey um do you know that if you die tonight that you might go to hell (laughs) i mean that's the gospel according to the southern baptist or protestant reformation or the hebrews 9 27 um scriptures right you know hey Lady at the well, do you know that you're gonna? It's pointed for you to to die once, and after this comes judgment, lady. You know that's the Jesus of the Southern Baptist Convention. So, am I being hard on them? Yeah. Oh, coyote, bud. Look, coyote's walking down there. You missed him. I don't know if he stopped or not. Looked like he skedaddled. Um, yeah. So that's the. Uh, Is that harsh on the Southern Baptists? Probably. 
But it's not just them. It could be Presbyterian, Methodists, Roman Catholics. That's organized religion, folks. It's all messed up. So, um, yeah, Jesus at the well. Giving, giving that woman a hard time instead of love. What did he do instead? What did we really see? We see a guy that had compassion for her and so forth. So, um, and there's many places in the scriptures where we see Jesus with a lot of compassion. And then we see him with anger at the temple about the religious people and, uh, you know, selling stuff at the temple. So, how we view Christ is imperfect. I mean, sometimes people will um, bring out this judgment dude kind of dude. And sometimes they'll bring out the compassionate dude guy. So it's really bipolar. You can almost apply psychology terms now, bipolar, schizophrenic to church teachers because they bounce back and forth from one extreme to the other. So how do you get peace about that? Where, where is the, the peace? Um, and that's where I like my 1 Corinthians 4. And Paul basically says, hey man, I care very little. Like some people listening to this might be really judging me, which is fine. And because I go to 1 Corinthians 4 and say, hey, be an imitator of Paul. And Paul says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any other human court. I don't even judge myself. But it doesn't make me innocent because the Lord's going to judge me. So that's the some core beliefs of confidence that we can have walking in the Spirit of God. And when, you, when I say those words, someone might, that doesn't agree with me, right, they'll probably try to figure out a way to twist that 1 Corinthians 4 and and make it out to like no you can't say those things mike you have to believe this way that way and then i'm like no it clearly says i care very little if i'm judged by you or by any other human court so judge away folks judge away and be confident and i'm not innocent it doesn't say that any of us are innocent so it's the lord that's going to judge us and bud are you tired are you like really hurting. I think I'm going to have to carry you, bud. Huh? You're kind of hot. And it's not even that hot out, bud. So let's go, bud. Because otherwise the podcast gets too long, right? <laughs> so, so you're a bit warm, bud. I'm going to carry you to the next location. And then I'm going to put you down again. But uh, yeah, bud. What do you think of that airplane, bud? Still flying around over there. And uh so what else we got? It's Saturday early. Um, well, here he comes. He's, he took a clockwise turn. Yeah, that's a spring airplane. Uh, and uh, so I'll probably do some prep work for next week. But also I need to keep my workouts going. I like this workout stuff, a little bit of body discipline. It's an investment of time, but uh, it's amazing we, if we just commit to a few things. 
and uh, go for it. We can actually fit them all in. So much, so much time that uh, is wasted on. I gotta walk the dog, right? I gotta walk Bud, and uh, so thus we do the multitasking podcast of the Bud. And what value is it? Well, the value is for me to talk out my thoughts and theories. Maybe be a blessing to others. Maybe a few listeners will think about what I have to say and tell me I'm wrong or tell me I'm right. You know, they might agree. So it makes me think also of like, well, there's tribes. There's this whole concept of getting to know your tribe. And I first heard that in the job-seeking world. I really like this gal, J.T. O'Donnell, and work it daily. So if anyone's looking for a job, Go get on work at daily and uh, get connected with JT and her team and uh, the tribe. Yeah, so well, you might be a nurse, you might be in the medical field, so that's your tribe is your nurses, or you might be an accountant, so your tribe is all these accountants, or um, what else? Lawyer could be the tribe of lawyers. Uh, airline pilots, that's another tribe. So there's all kinds of quote-unquote tribes out there. It's essentially people that have similar skills that you do. And technically you'd think that if someone had a skill as a pilot, for example, they would really love their piloting. Of course, there's a whole distribution in there that some people get into being a pilot just because they... Um, went to the Air Force or something and thought it would be a good job and so they get in there and they get on with whoever an airline and then they ride that baby and they're happy. Maybe they get a side hustle too. Maybe they do other stuff. Maybe their job isn't their whole life which is a much better way of living and I still haven't gotten there yet myself. Still working through that. True Confessions, your podcast listener is not a or your podcast host doesn't have it all figured out, folks. Is that a surprise? <laughs> I don't have it all figured out. And I'm podcasting. Isn't the technology bizarre? So I can humbly admit I don't have it all figured out. Whereas most podcasts are like, oh, I got to figure out. Here's what you got to believe. Here's this is the answer for you, man. And, uh, Mine is, no, you got to, you're, everyone's wonderful, has gifts. What are they? You know, and they're wonderful gifts. They could, you know, they may not be gifts of fame and fortune, but they're wonderful. And uh, I didn't grow up in a nurturing family and I'm, I got, I'm over that. So what? You know, not too many people have a great wonderful, nurturing family. So what? I mean, it was decent. It was good. A lot of positives about my upbringing and a lot of negatives. So, it's a distribution curve. And, uh, 
it's like, how do I articulate? I mean, there is no one answer. I mean, I had my experiences. I'm jaded by them, so I can't help it. So I have my holy discontent of different, of manipulation. Don't like being manipulated. So that's it. And I, and I, I will get manipulated again. It's just, I'm, it's just, I don't know. I just don't want to do it. Just don't want to be manipulated. I want to trust people. I want to have a, people I, I sort of trust. No one has it all figured out. So, and that's just too too blatant of a statement. No one has it figured out. Some have, are closer to having it figured out, and some are very far from having it figured out. So it's part of that journey again, being on a journey going to our destiny. (laughs) And that's the big word of a famous online preacher, Joel Osteen, the destiny. And it's not so bad. And then that reminds me, he gets blamed or slagged for prosperity gospel, which I may have mentioned before. I I just, it's like in, out group, in, out. We're Southern Baptists. Joel Osteen is a prosperity gospel guy, so he's out. We don't like him. He's no good. He's terrible. People that listen to him are in danger. And I'm like, oh, really? I mean, I one, I don't see... I really don't know what is the prosperity gospel, that, that you're just going to become a multi-billionaire because you're, you follow Joel Osteen. I don't, I don't see that as the message. I see him, the destiny is more in line with the gifts. You know, someone's destiny might be to serve in a, you know, mental institution or serve in with high school kids that are struggling in, in uh, situations that are less than optimal, or we should say less than privileged situations to use a term from the Third Reich, privilege, yeah, white privilege. (laughs) A lot of people don't, a lot of people think white privilege is a new term, but it's actually from the Third Reich. It's a vice of privilege. Actually, I'm lying. But the essential of Nazism was that it was Jewish privilege. It's the same privilege repeated over again. Jewish privilege. So that's what brought Adolf's power to um, severely impact that community was to claim that they had all this privilege. And it was also bipolar too, because he would not only would he say they're the rich Jews have privilege, blah blah blah, the other Jews are just rats and dirty and disgusting. <laughs> so so Adolf was Adolf's message was bipolar. Or maybe he was uh, hitting different buckets of followers. So there's some some people in the bucket that bought into the Jews have too much power, they're too wealthy and I'm jealous of them. I'm nightish. 
nightish of those rich Jews. So they're in one bucket. And then the other bucket is, oh no, Jews on the street, they're just dirty. They're slimy. Like I see them all the time as I walk through the street. Dang Jews. So it's the same messages of hatred. It's the same product. But you have different buckets. Same. So kind of a whatever. It happened. It's over with. And I'm just using a framework, today's current framework, and applying it to something that happened in the 1930s. And they unconsciously use that term. Of course, they don't need just to have two buckets. They probably hit every bucket they can think of. And uh, I'm sure there's probably eight more buckets of people that they use to coerce into their objective. So, uh, yeah, so white privilege used to be known as Jewish privilege in the 1930s. And I just thought of that on this walk with the bud. And I think it's a true statement. And uh, so maybe I'll tweet that to the guy that doesn't want to acknowledge that. I gave him a little tweety, tweety this morning. I tweaked him with a tweak, tweet, tweet, tweaking. And uh, probably won't get a response from him. But uh, yeah, I kind of like this. He brought up this white privilege thing and it, uh, it's weird. It's US centric and probably Southeast US centric too because Stanford and California, they don't care about this stuff. They just, smart people at Stanford or you know MIT, if you're smart, you have something to contribute and value, it just doesn't matter what your history is. It's what can you articulate now that brings benefit and value to others. So just do it, folks. Just do it. Just Nike it. And uh, Bud, we're home. Have no idea how impactful this podcast is. But for me, I feel better getting some of those ideas off my chest, off my mind, out into the world, inviting haters to hate, and inviting lovers to be encouraged, be equipped, be full of love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. So there you go, folks. Good, good. uh, I feel good about the podcast, but I don't know about you. So there you go. Have a great day. It's the weekend.